We're in Sefer Shemuel Aleph, in the 14th chapter. We are up to the 10th Pasuk. And what's happened so far is that Yonatan, without the knowledge of his father, has gone to the camp of the Pelishtim. Here, go open the door for him. Yonatan has gone to the camp of the Pelishtim, and he is going to initiate a surprise attack against them. Now, we said it's significant that he's doing so without the consent of his father, which means there may be some kind of division between him and his father. We also notice that the state that his father is in, that Shaul is in, is that when they started this process of this battle, they had how many soldiers? 3,000. 3,000. And now how many do they have left after this 600. mistake with Shemuel berating him for bringing the Korban? They were down to 600. So Shaul is losing his resolve. He's losing the confidence of the people. And he's probably even lost the confidence of his, his son. own son. Okay, now Yonatan goes to the camp of the Pelishim and he makes the following thing. If they say, you come up to us, then we should go and attack them. But if the Pelishim say, oh, you guys, we're going to come to you and attack you. If they speak like that, then we're not going to attack them, we're going to flee. Now, what is the source of, why is he saying this? So there are opinions that it's just an omen. That he's saying, because when they say to us, you come up to us, from the fact that they use the words going up in reference to us, that means that we're going to be on top. Okay? But if they say, we are going to come up to you, it's a sign that they are going to be on top. That's how the Radak interpret. that's how some of the Gemarot interpret it also, because they say that this was a, a form of nachash, a form of sorcery of some sort, on, on Yonatan's part. But there is a different interpretation. What could be the other interpretation that's even simpler? If they say, we're going to come to you and attack you, it means that they're confident enough to leave their safe position of their camp and attack them one-on-one. But if they tell Yonatan to come into the camp, it means that they, they, they uh, would prefer to remain in the safety of their camp and are scared to come after Yonatan directly, which means that their morale isn't as high as people think and therefore we're going to be able to defeat them. So that would be like the more rational interpretation for what Yonatan is doing here. Nevertheless, we're up to Pasuk Yud Aleph and... Let's see what happens. So they make themselves visible to the, to the place of the Pelishtim. And the Pelishtim said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes that they're hiding there. Remember, <coughs> when the Pelishtim were encroaching upon Bnei Israel, what were the Jewish people doing? They were running away when they saw the size of the Pelishti army. They were hiding in caves and they're running away to the area of eastern, the Transjordan. So when the Pelishtim are making fun of Yonatan and thing, they're saying, ah, these Hebrews have come out of their holes. Mm-hmm. That's how they're describing. So it's a, they're, they're speaking in a mocking tone. You have to be able to hear that. Pasuk Yudbet, Vayanu Yonatan So the people of that encampment, they say to Yonatan and to his... Uh, arms bearer, they say, come up to us, and we will know, we will let you know what the matter is, meaning we'll show, we'll show you what we, what we got, or something like that. He says, come after me, my servant, for God has given them to Israel. Okay, so as we expect, the Pelishim say, come to us, and they say the word alitem in reference to Yonatan, so Yonatan assumes that they're going to win, they're going to be on top. And he tells his arms bearer to come and join him in attacking the Pelishim. Now, how are they going to attack the Pelishim right now? There is a huge encampment. 
And it's just Yonatan and his arms bare. So what would be the strategy here? Mm. The strategy would be to do a, um, a kind of covert assassination and to sow confusion, right? Like, if, if people are probably sleeping right now because it's probably at night mm-hmm. and it's in the camp of the Pilishtim, not during battle time. So most people are sleeping. They're probably only dealing with the security guard or the guy who's up for security, right? So if they kill that guy... And the rest of the Pilishim wake up or they hear the noise, they wake up and they see their security guy is dead, then they may think that there's some murderer in their midst, that there's some assassin in their midst, and all of them may go into shock and may go into like a into thing. And, and no, not civil war. And they, they may go into confusion, into state of confusion, and they'll start to, I don't know, kill each other or, or run away in panic. And something like that. So that's the strategy. That's the only strategy you really have when you're one against many. Sorry. So Yonatan says, his arms bare, let's go, because God has given them to our hands. Yonatan gets on his hands and his feet, probably in order to, to get up the mountain of some sort. He, was, he, he climbed up in whatever way, he crawled up to where the Pilishim were. And his arms bare were, was behind him. And the Pilishim, as Yonatan approached, they fell before Yonatan, meaning he was able to, kill, to, to, to strike a blow at them. And his arms bearer was finishing the job after him, was killing the people after him. So Yonatan would strike the initial blow, and his arms bearer would kill them. He'd strike the blow, kill them. How many people did they kill? In that one blow, they were able to kill 20 people. Which covered the area of a chatsima anatzemet sadeh. It's like a measurement of a size of a piece of land. We're in chap- Pasuk 15. 14th chapter, 15th Pasuk. Okay, Pasuk 15. There was fear in the camp, in the. Oh, thank you. There was fear in the camp. In the fields and in all of the, the nation of the Pilishtim, because all they just they're waking up to the death of twenty of their peers, right? So Hamatsa the standing people and the the uh, raiding brigades, the Mashrit is a word for like the raiding brigades, the brigades that were the brigades of destruction. They also were terrified, but and the land shook of fear, Elohim, and it was like a great panic that fell upon the Pilishtim. And then, now the camera lens turns to Shaul, because Yonatan did this without Shaul knowing. So, Shaul is encamped pretty far away at a distance from the Pilishtim, but they could still see the encampment of the Pilishtim. That's kind of why they were so scared in the first place, because they saw the size of it. And... The, on, the, the watchman for Shaul, he sees across to the camp of the Pilishtim that there is, that the masses are in panic. That there is Hamon Namog, that they're melting and there's, they're moving back and forth. And there seems to be like a lot of agitation in the camp of the Pilishtim. So he says, check now. So Shaul says to the people that are with him, he says, check now. And see who is left from amongst us. Meaning who is not with us right now. So they check and they count. And they see that the only one missing is 
Yonatan and his arms bear. Vayomer Shaul and Shaul says to Achia, who is Achia? Achia ben Akituv, Achi Ikavod ben Pinechas ben Eli. Remember? So it's the Kohen Gadol who we mentioned before at the beginning of the story that he was servicing the, being the Kohen Gadol at the time. And we mentioned that we introduced him earlier because he's going to feature in the story. Okay, so now he's featuring. So Shaul says to Achia, to the Kohen Gadol, Hagisha Aron Elohim. Bring the Aaron of God, ki haya Aaron Elohim bayoma uvne Israel im bnei Israel or uvne Israel. So Shaul says, Achia, bring the Aaron of God. For in those days, the Aaron was with bnei Israel, as opposed to what? What is it trying to explain? There was no, that was not in the Beit Hamikdash. I mean, there was no central Mishkan because right now we're in a time of Bamot, right? Remember. So right now there's no central area of of a thing like what was the previous place where they had the Mishkan Shiloh. Right? So Shiloh was destroyed in the time of Eli, remember? Mm-hmm. So because there's no Shiloh, the Aaron was not in any central location. Where was it instead? It would, be, it would encamp with the people. The people would carry the Aaron with them. Okay? So he's saying, in those days, the Aaron, the, the text is just introducing us to that idea, that, that detail, that the Aaron was with the people at that time. Now so Shaul says to Achia, bring out the Aaron. So as Shaul is speaking to the Kohen Gadol, and he's watching the camp of the Pilishtim is going crazy. That they're going back and forth and there's agitation. And Shaul says, you know, withdraw your hands. What's going on? What, what, what just happened? What was Shaul about to ask and what happened in the middle? Shaul is about to ask the Kohen Gadol, what is going on and should we go out to battle? It's what you typically do with the Kohen Gadol. You ask him to ask the Urim Tumim, should we go out to battle? We're going to see it again. At the end of the battle with the Pilishim, Shaul is going to ask this again of the Kohen Gadol. Okay? And what happens in the middle? As Shaul is asking, as he's asking the Kohen Gadol, or he's about to ask the Kohen Gadol, what does the Kohen Gadol answer? I mean, what, what does he decide to do in the middle? He says, wait, 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 you know what? Forget it. Don't worry about it. Why? Why does he say that? Because the Pilishtim are in so much agitation amongst themselves and he sees it, so he's like, we're going to miss an opportunity here. So instead of asking the Kohen Gadol to go to war, let me just jump on it and go. Because I may miss my opportunity. Oh. Okay? Asking the Kohen Gadol to ask to look at the Urim Tumim takes like hours? I don't know. I don't know. But I think that's the Peshat here. If you have another interpretation... You want to see what the thing? so long to so just add the Kohen This is Radak. Shaul says to the Kohen Gadol, Shaul says, There's no time rather than, other than to go to war right now. We have to go to war. You already see that God is with us. Because all of them are melting away and they're all, going, they're all going crazy. So we know God is with us. Why should I even ask? What is this similar to what, what Shaul just did? Remember when Shaul was about to start the battle against the Pilishtim? He did the Korban without Shmuel, right? And that was a problem because it showed that he, was, he wasn't waiting for the will of God. He wasn't doing the will of God. He was doing what was convenient to him or what he was pressured to do by the people. And that was a standard, that, was a very, like a, that became an issue with Shaul. That he keeps listening to the people and that he's not listening to the will of God. And now what does he do again? What does he show in this incident? Now, once again, when he's pressured by, he has to be in a rush, 
he's pressured by this opportunity, he's willing to, you know, I, I assume God is with me. Let me just go. And he does it on his own without asking God. Mm-hmm. So the same way he didn't wait for Shemuel the first time, he's not waiting for the Kohen Gadol this time. Which I means he has a kind of, um, uh, a kind of lax attitude when it comes to listening to the word of God. It's not the most important thing to him. He does it if it's convenient. But if it's not, he's just going to do things his own way. Maybe because deep down, he maybe believes that he's going to win without God's help or something like that. Okay? The, the nation and Shaul, they gather for battle. They come to the war. And they see that amongst the Philistim, every man's sword is in this fellow's, you know, is in his fellow. Meaning the Pelishim are all killing each other because they're in a state of panic. But I, read, I once read a historian, I forget which historian, but this was actually a common thing that happened in armies in antiquity. Where like, they would all be gathered, they would all be armed, and it'd be like 20,000 people all gathered in, cl- in close proximity. And it would occur at times that they would go into panic, there would be some trigger that caused the people to go into panic and they would start killing each other. So that was a very common thing that used to happen in antiquity. So it's not just like... Probably there was a traitor in there. Me, 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 also, a lot of times these are like mercenary armies. So like a lot of them are paid. They don't even have any like, like shared association. You know? so, so it's not a very uncommon thing. It's, I don't know if this is a miracle. Meaning the miracle here is that Borei Olam is making it happen to the benefit of the Jews at a time when they were about to lose the war. Okay? But the fact that their army goes into panic is a pretty common thing. Can you translate that pasuk? I, I'm on. Yeah. The Hebrews who had decided with the Pelishim oh, 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 oh. from yesterday and earlier. So they all gather and they see that the Pelishim are killing each other. And now the Hebrews that were with the Pelishim on the day before, Asher alui mamba machanes aviv, v'gam hemma liyotim Yisrael asherim shavu v'yonatan. So whenever Pelishtim conquered the Israelite territories in the Aza area, they took a lot of the Jews into their army. So you do. Whenever you conquer men, you, you enslave them or you take them into your armies. Right? So the Jews that had been in the Pelishti armies, that had to side with the Pelishtim, when they saw the panic amongst the Pelishtim, where did they go? They also joined Israel that was with Shaul and Yonatan. Okay? And all of the Hebrews that we said were hiding in the mountain of Ephraim, Shameuki Nasu Pelishtim, heard that the Pelishtim ran away. And they also joined the battle. So Shaul's army, that was 600 people, probably balloons to something very, very significant all of a sudden because everybody gains confidence in the fact that the Pelishtim are dying. Okay, so the Jews who are on the Pelishti side go onto the Jewish side. The Jews that were hiding in the mountain of Ephraim all of a sudden join the battle. And all of them are joining together in order to attack the Pelishtim now. And God saved Israel on that day. And the Milchama passed Bet Aven. I don't know if Bet Aven is a location. Okay. So now the people come on that day and they approach Shaul and they're winning, right? They're winning. So what does Shaul tell them to do? He makes, and this may be a, a mistake on Shaul's part, but he makes them do the following swear. He makes them swear that no man will eat bread 
until I get vengeance when he come to me until I get vengeance from my enemies. And nobody touched any bread. Lechem is not just bread, it's any food, right? So nobody ate any food. So Shaul, on the day of the battle, when he sees that he's succeeding, he makes the people swear not to eat anything. Why? To fast in, or, in, in honor of the success of the battle. Now what's the problem with fasting during a battle? You become weak, you become weak and tired. Okay, so Shaul, I, I don't know what he's thinking right now, and it doesn't seem like the... the um, the Nach the doesn't seem to be in favor of this vow, okay? But he makes everyone swear that they're not going to eat anything throughout the battle, which obviously is going to tire out the people. Now, why would Shaul do this? Let's, let's try to analyze his uh, thought process. So Shaul, so far, he has, he has had, in this battle, has had two options to follow the will of God and has not done so, right? So what happens when a person feels like he's maybe a little bit of guilt, that he's not following the way of God? What do they do sometimes? Just to assuage their guilt or to make them feel better about their guilt, they'll do something extreme in, in the service of God just to prove to themselves that they're not really bad. So Shaul, having already proven that he's not listening to God to Shemuel or that he does not have, want to listen to the Kohen Gadol, now he's thinking in the back of his head, wow, am I really bad? Like, at the end of the day, I should show God something. Which is a form of superstition. Yeah, it's a little bit superstitious almost. But he's like, you know, maybe I should show God that I care. So he makes the people do something extreme. And that, again, I, I, think, it's a, I think he's doing this out of a superstition and also out of guilt that he's not doing what's right. He keeps violating the will of God. Okay? And all the people come into a field. And the people, they see that there is honey in this field. Okay, so we're gonna stop there. Okay, so Shaul makes everyone swear not to eat. They're all starving. But in the course of the battle, now the text is telling us that they come to a field where there's a lot of honey. And obviously this is going to be a big test because they've sworn not to eat anything, but they're starving. So what do they do? So we'll see what happens in this episode tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.